everyone. My name's Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is episode 51 of the show, where we are in the spring fever of 1964. The Beatles are on their way. Uh, civil rights change is in the air. And the giant man is going to face his nemesis, the magician. Wait. In what will be the best story we ever cover? Ever. In the Probably. history of ever. <laughs> is, isn't that what the cover says, or is that a different issue we covered? Um, it might say that. No. Get the issue. It says, at last, giant man has learned to use his great oh. power of growth to its best advantage. That was this one. We're going to have to discuss that caption, because I read this and then thought, what? But we'll get right? there. Yeah. But you'd think after seven months, he'd finally know how to be giant man. Well, you'd think if they put that on the caption, then somehow that would be addressed in the story. But as far as I remember, nothing like that happened. So we'll see. Maybe I missed maybe, it. We can talk about it more, but I'm, I'm thinking that maybe they've like toned down and, and ruled out the whole clumsy, big, giant man thing. Oh, uh, okay. That's what. That's the way I read it, but we may, we may differ on that see, once we get to the story. I was reading it thinking, oh, he comes up with something other than capsules, or he can expand past 12 feet, or something. But it, like nothing really changed, but... <clears throat> All right. So we are in March 3rd, 1964. We started March last episode, did some Thor, did some X-Men, did some Sergeant Fury. Mm -hmm. And now we're looking at Giant Man and Tales to Astonish 56. Who's who's uh, who's got this one? You do. Oh, crap. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I can do this. Yeah. Surely this story is memorable, right? Totally. Scarred me for life. <laughs> okay, so we have our credits are boring. What's yeah, this? Written yeah. by Stanley, drawn by Dick Ayers, not even a mention of a letterer. No, it's very and it's all really tiny too. Okay. Um The Coming of the Magician. I'm sorry? I was just saying the splash page is no splash page either. No, it's just like diving into the story, but I guess they were really, really excited to tell the story. And Giant Man is really, really excited to get back home. He jumps up onto his skyhook thing, which pulls him into the window, and he grabs a ring that he's had engraved out of the out of the jewelry box, and he's ready to propose to, to the wasp, and she shows up. She's like, yo, how's it going, big boyfriend? And he hides it, and he's like, um, how you doing? What do you want to do tonight? And she's like, I'm going to make him jealous. Oh, you know, I'm just going out with all my socialite friends, hoping to see there's some big, beautiful boys out there. Maybe one will propose to me. And Henry's like, oh, I was going to do that. <laughs> Only he doesn't say that out loud because that would ruin the surprise. So she leaves and she was trying to make him jealous because evidently in Marvel Comics, this is what you do. Yeah. Betty Brant. You know what? She's been talking to Betty Brant again. Mm -hmm. So anyways... She leaves. Henry's all upset. He like throws the ring across the room. And um, the ants send him a message about how a stage magician is is stealing people's money or something. I don't know. They're not entirely sure what's going on. He's not entirely sure what's going on. But he decides he's going to go check it out. So he gets some ants. Now, instead of riding on the ants like a chariot, he now has a cute little chariot car that he ties up to the ants. And they, they pull it. So that's a thing. Um, he gets to the magician show and the magician is there being a magician. And he's like, does some stuff to 
bedazzle people, but then he makes this big tarp fall down on a bunch of people. And he's like, while they're distracted, I can steal all their stuff. Well, the wasp is also at this show. And she sees this happening and she wasps up and she flies toward him. And he, his his like magician wand has like a vacuum on the end. So schloop vacuums her right up, makes her completely useless right off the bat, because that's how this book rolls. Um, Henry is, uh, he arrives or he was there the whole time or something. I forget exactly what, uh, he doesn't know, you know, where the magician is, where'd he go? And they're like, go find him. He's like, okay, I guess I'll go find him. Um, he's like, okay, I've got to lure the magician. The magician is trying to show off for a bunch of rich people and take all their stuff. I've got to make him think there's a place where there's a bunch of rich people. So he sends out a bunch of invitations to a party on a yacht and a party on a yacht is definitely up my rich people alley. So all these rich people get together to go to his yacht, only he secretly steers them to another yacht. And when the magician shows up, he's like, I'm ready to steal all the stuff. Wait a second. Where's all the rich people? And Giant Man shows up. Ta-da! I'm the only rich person here, and I'm not rich, and I'm going to beat you up. So they fight, and um, he wins. <laughs> Yeah, that's <laughs> at one it. point, at one point, the, the the wasp is like held inside a glass bell jar or something, and he topples that or breaks it or something so that she's able to get free. She still is not very. I, I guess she does do one thing. Like there's a um, what do you call those things? Zeppelin in the air. Dirigible. So he just she, huh? A dirigible. Yeah, a dirigible. She flies up and like lets the air out. And so that like falls into the ground on top of the magician, which helps them capture the magician or something like that. And um, Jan is so happy to hear Henry's voice saying, Jan, honey, I'm so glad you're here. And she's like, Hank, I love you. I thought I had lost you for some reason. She thought he died. And then they were all alone. And that's the end. I first learned that word dirigible in like my late 30s, early 40s when I read Batman Wars Against the Dirigible of Doom. Oh. So, see, kids, comics can not only teach you, but they can teach an old person who doesn't like to learn new things. Yes. Because I always thought it was just called a Zeppelin, too, but I guess that's like the brand or something. Yeah, I think or it's Zeppelin like, might be um, the name from another language, like German or something. Oh, yeah, that could be. But Dirigible, literally... Um, from like the idea of being able to direct something. So it's a directable balloon. You can like pilot this balloon. So that's what the word dirigible means. Mm-hmm. Now he has some new doodads in this mm, story. Not the beginning though. And what do you think of his new like chariot and stuff? Okay. I think about as much as I think about this stupid ring thing that we've already seen that he jumps around in. Mm-hmm. Like it was cool when he was Ant-Man and he had to come up with, Crazy raised to travel as a, you know, two-inch tall person. Mm-hmm. But now he's a giant, and it just seems like he's showing off and really loving these toys that are kind of stupid and unnecessary. Right. Like, he even says in here that not only is he swinging around on this thing to get into his lab that he could just probably, you know, walk into, but he's created an oversized lab to, you know, house his giant status when he swings through the window. Mm-hmm. It's like, what? What is the purpose? Why not just have a regular size lab like everybody else, Pim? With with maybe a giant size window for entrance, but you know. Or yeah, I guess you could do that, but it's like how is it advantageous to have a giant size lab? 
You right. could just you could just be normal size Hank Pym. It's okay. You're showing off and it's weird and everybody thinks you're kind of dorky now, except Wasp, I guess. So he's actually being a very bad superhero now. He's yeah, like doing the dumb his, stuff. Like I've already said, like I just feel like his theme is just completely botched. He's ruined it with this giant thing. He was so much cooler as Ant-Man. Everything was like on point. And so and, the way I'm reading this is like this is just Henry Pym, like not yeah. being the best at superheroing. Yeah. Like he doesn't entirely know what he's doing. And he had some good ideas as Ant-Man. It's kind of like Jerry Siegel. Uh-huh. Jerry Siegel hit the lightning in a bottle with Superman. Yeah. And then he made the Spectre uh-huh. and the Star Spangled Kid. And just there were some other ideas that never quite landed the same way. Yeah. It's funny because like we all know Hank Pym's future. Or lack mm-hmm. of a fu- lack of a future, mm-hmm. and I remember when we were first reading these early Ant Man stories that I'd never read before. I was like, "It's a real shame that you know this is going to happen to him someday because he's such a great like superhero superhero right now. You know, he's like the Marvel superhero at the time. Mm-hmm. And then now I just see how he's going to head to this path of horribleness. I actually think it makes sense because he's just been slowly tanking for me ever since he turned to Giant Man. It's like, he's not cut out for being a superhero anymore. Something happened. He screwed it up. We're never going to get to it, but I'm really curious about his next Ant-Man run, which is in the like late 60s, early 70s. I think it's in Marvel Feature or Marvel Premiere or one of those books that has a generic title, but like, we'll take like a little solo run of a character. Mm-hmm. And there's one of those where he has like a 10 or 11 issue. It's just, it's just Henry and Janigan. Henry uh-huh. and Janigan doing their own little series. And he's and Ant-Man? I'm curious about, as Ant-Man, yeah. Oh, sweet. I'm curious about that. And this is after his Yellow Jacket uh, Avengers crazy they get mm. married thing. Oh. He goes back to be Ant-Man for a while. Oh, yeah. We'll never get to that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's it's, it's forever away. Um, you mentioned the skyhook, the little ring thing. So here's yeah. my problem with that. All right. You're a giant man. You're in your window. And you want to have like a go out on an adventure thing. So you go out and you grab this sky hook and it's like a tension cord. Mm-hmm. It sort of controls your descent to the ground to let you land with some, you know, control. Mm-hmm. There is no way that that same mechanism is going to be an efficient way of entering your building because it's not going to pull you up with any sort of speed. You're not going to leap up and grab the hook and let it like, you know, lift you up. It's going to like slowly draw you up you're going to grab it and they just hang there yeah unless it's like mechanized and it doesn't appear to be and the way they describe it and the way they draw it it's like it's he's grabbing it and it's like pulling him up and you know increasing his momentum as he goes into the thing and no that's just that's just not how those things work um but anyways it also involves it also requires him to be super agile like batman agile and flip through his window and stuff and it's like one false move there, and you you crush the twenty eight people that are sitting there watching you. Yeah. So it's like, why not just use the front door and be cool? I don't know. So he um, he grabs the ring and he says, <sighs> "The jeweler lettered the inscription perfectly, just as I asked him to." And they show the inside of the ring, and I'm like, "Yeah, he he wrote that. I love you on the inside <laughs> of that ring, very nicely. Good job." <laughs> so what do you think of this? Sudden turn of events, because I read this. I mean, wow, I guess I wasn't expecting too much courtship in the 60s, but there was zero. Uh-oh. You My there? sound went weird. Did I lose you for a oh. second there? Yeah, I couldn't hear you. Sorry, that's okay. We're going to keep on going. Yeah, it's a really weird turn of events. It's um, It seems a little sudden, but at the mm-hmm. same time, this is 
you know, Marvel comics. And Mm -hmm. when we get to Daredevil, like three conversations is enough to want to marry somebody. Mm -hmm. And here, I mean, these two have been on the verge of confessing their love for a couple of issues, at least now, a couple of months, at least. And that's, I guess, all you need to propose marriage. I get, we're going to find that not to spoil too much, but this episode and the next one we're going to do same thing. It's going to be like from nothing to, I got her a ring. So it's like, wow. Yeah. I guess it's just inevitable that, you know, we're a man and a woman in a, in a book. So we're going to get married. What's a little bit crazy is we have this story of them, of him wanting to propose marriage. Mm -hmm. And yet we know that that's not actually going to successfully happen for years. Yeah. And also, uh, you know, usually you would think if you were at the point where you're going to propose marriage, then you're pretty set as a couple. Mm -hmm. And yet here we have her like, well, if he's not going to ever propose, I'm going to pretend to date other men and have them propose. So that doesn't sound very set as a couple. Yeah. See if some rando out there will propose to me. It's just so weird. And I used to wonder when I was younger, I used to wonder why are relationships so different now than they were back in the 60s? And (laughs) as I've gotten older, I'm like, I don't think relationships ever worked this way. No, I don't know. Maybe there was less courting or something. I don't know. Maybe. Um, This is, however, the first time, let's see, page three, panel three. um, Oh, yeah, yeah. The whole thing about her wanting to go get people to propose. We've made fun of that. But panel five, I should have known. An ex-debutante, a blue blood, the cream of society. She wants someone as wealthy as she. Hmm. And this is the first time we've had her wealth stated outright. Well, yeah, I guess like her dad was wealthy, so we kind of assume. Do we know that her dad was wealthy? I mean, I don't remember that being a thing, but maybe it was. I thought he had a big fancy house and she like his first thoughts of her were she's great, but she's young and probably snobby or something like that. I don't remember. But that may be true. That may be true. I've forgotten that. I just know that but there was he, one point where he accused her of being a gold digger. He has never. Yeah. I don't think he's ever been upset about her status. And now this is going to be a thing like he's in, he feels inferior around her, which is kind of weird because he's a very famous, amazing scientist that gets like government contract work and invents new things to drop off a hat. So why would he feel inferior anyway? I don't know. Well, we get to the magician and I'm like, Miracle Man, is that you? Yeah. Yeah, great outfit. Yeah, where have you been since the Fantastic Four 3? That is kind of funny, though. The answer, like, this dude looks weird. And Giant Man's like, well, what's he doing? We're not sure, but he just seems really weird. You should check it out. And the ants are cluing in on this. Like, the ants are like, weird dude. Yeah. Mr. Han- just, just yeah. Super weird. And the only reason he goes is because he's, turns out he's at the same, you know, invent event that she went to. So, his jealous pot. Nature, of course, had to ride his chariot over there. So then we get to the party, mm. and she is dancing with Sterling Stuyvesant, which is, <laughs> you know. My new username for every website, yeah. Right. I'm going to start using Sterling Stuyvesant as like, I don't know, something somewhere. <laughs> but yeah, he's like, we've known each other since we were kids. You know how I feel about you. I need to ask you something. And she's like, don't ask me now. Ask me later. And okay, there's this one author that I like, and he's an early fantasy writer, like before Tolkien and stuff. But one of his early novels is just, you know, cheesy romantic comedy, uh, comedy of errors, wealthy debutante getting proposed to kind of fiction. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing. It's like, 
you know how long I've felt this way about you. I need to ask you something. And the woman's like, don't ask me that. I don't want to have to deal with the question. And I'm like, is this actually the way things were? And, but those stories take place in the 1900s. So I, I, I just I just don't know. Was was Edwardian society different? Is the sixties story here keying back into those ideas? <sighs> I'm sure this is not I bet it still happens that like, you know, girls who want a guy as a friend and he wants more and it becomes awkward and don't push too yeah. hard, don't ruin it. I felt like she was asking him to wait till after the party so it'd be easier to turn him down in private than in public with all these people. Don't ruin the night before you've had some fun. That too, but if you ask me right now in front of everybody, I'm going to have to embarrass you. Yeah. I just kind of feel like the first move would be like, maybe can I kiss you? Or, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, well, we've already so we decided- more of each other. We've already decided what marriage means in 60s Marvel anyway, so. Oh, that's true. That's something I've really been wanting to ask you. May I please? Ask me <laughs> later. We're at the party right now. <laughs> All right. Okay. I, I can wait. I can wait. Yeah. <laughs> we can get married in my hotel room. Right. Uh, um, so, so magician, his um, his little tarp trick makes no sense to me, kind of, because mm-hmm. it's like he creates a tarp out of thin air. Okay, fine, and it drops on everybody, and then the panel shows him grabbing wallets and saying, "While they're under here, I can use my sleight of hand to get their valuables." But it's like, but they're under the tent. So, did you just crawl under there as the magician and start picking pockets? Because that seems very not cool. Yeah, that is very weird. Like, and it's not even there's there's no art to imply that they're left their purses on their tables or something. It's just like all seven people at this event are all gathered together, and the you know tarp goes over all of them. Mm-hmm. Very strange. Also, I like on the previous page, on the second panel of page six, Abracadabra, and I'm like, hey, he knows all the Pokemon. <laughs> Because Abra and Kadabra evidently yeah. are Pokemon, so I know from my child. Okay. Isn't it also a villain in DC, or no? Might be. I don't know that one. Because it looks just like... I think it's a guy that looks just like this guy. But they all just look like magicians, so... So I was reading this. Page 7 at the bottom uh-huh. says, There's one who's not floundering, and I'm like, damn right there is. Ready to go, Wasp? Turn the page. Oh, wait, never mind. So is this like the tenth story in a row where they get our hopes up only to uh, have her get captured immediately? Because it's really it sad. Immediately. <laughs> she like suits up and at least I brought my wasp costume. Let's see how he could take this. And then he goes and she's out. That was kind of embarrassing. And it's not even that like the wasp is doing anything wrong. It's just the writers are totally taking her out of the story. Yeah. Yeah. Um and if we put a pin in this, like, just note that all the things he does in this party, and eventually they're going to explain away how he does one thing, and it doesn't make any sense. And I'm still not sure if he's supposed to actually have powers or if this is all sleight of hand gadgets or something. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really say. Anyway. Uh, so then uh, Giant Man slash Ant Man finds out, you know, that stuff's going on. So he goes and talks to the people there. And Sylvester Stuyvesant, no, no, Sterling Stuyvesant is like, you need to go capture him. And uh, Giant Man. There's some tension between them. Yeah. No, and he admits it. He says he's just feeling jealous, so he's being a jerk. Oh, that's right, because he knows that she and Stuyvesant are out that night. Okay. Um, um, turn the page, and it says... What is it here? There's something that they said in this first panel. Oh, yeah. 
This specially adapted microphone will convert my verbal commands into cybernetic thought impulses, which can be thoroughly understood by my legion of ants, mm -hmm. which is written like it's new information. Yeah, I was wondering that too. I thought he had always just talked to them. Ever since the first issue. Yeah. Like him conveying his words to the ants. And at the time, they could only convey, communicate back with like pictures and stuff. The ants have learned English. Well, Since Iron then. Man loves to walk around telling us things we already know, too. So maybe that's just a thing they do. That's true. I don't know. But he did, make, he did seem to say it like it was a new invention. Um, how do you so like the, how do you like the whole like, uh, the Home Alone strategy? <laughs> With putting – I didn't mention that thing. But one of the reasons that he's able to lure the magician to the decoy yacht is that he puts Home Alone cardboard cutouts of people <laughs> dancing and moving back and forth in the windows of the yacht. Yeah. How much prep time did you need for this, Kevin? Yeah. Yeah. It seems like a lot of work. Um, and also – it isn't really his M.O. Because, first of all, he's only done this once, so you don't know what his M.O. is. Second, his M.O. for the first time he did it was to be hired for the party and then mm -hmm. and then turn the tables on them. So this whole, like, I'll just throw a fancy party and he'll show up and rob it seems a little far-fetched in a way. Like, that's not actually how he operates. Right. He, sh he should have contacted you and said, hey, do you want me to perform at your party? And then you catch him. Anyway. And we seem to be a little bit inconsistent on when people can and cannot hear Ant-Man. Because mm -hmm. at the bottom of page 12, Ant-Man is on the ground. And the magician who's standing at his full, you know, six feet height or whatever, hears him. I'll give you three guesses, magician. A voice from nowhere. I've got to escape. And then he giants up. Yeah. So, because remember when the Avengers called Ant-Man? Ant-Man's like, oh, you can't hear me. I'll get this thing. Yeah. And the Fantastic Four call him, oh, you can't hear me. I'll get this crystal speaker box over my head. Yeah. And now he doesn't even wear a helmet. So there's no magnification in front of his mouth as far as you can see. Right. Um, he sure turns anti a lot in this one. Okay, so that might be part of the thing on the front cover, is that Hank, Hank Pym seems to have full control and pretty relatively skillful use of his size-swapping abilities now. Mm -hmm. But that just lends more to the whole, you know, his motif is all over the place. Yeah. even Wasp calls him Ant-Man in this issue, like on page... What is it, 15 or something? Ant-Man, hurry, right. get me out of here. So it's like when he's small, you're supposed to call him Ant-Man, and when he's big, you call him Giant-Man? That's not confusing at all. Right, right. And when he's middle, you just call him Hank. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I have a confession to make. Okay. So I've been watching. I've been trying to pay attention to the use of his name because I wanted to see – at first, he was Henry Pym. He was Dr. Henry Pym. He was always Henry Pym. And I was trying to pinpoint when they first start calling him Hank. Yeah. And I've been evidently terrible at being able to spot this because I noticed it in this issue on page 16. She calls him Hank. And I was like, oh, that's the first Hank. Wait a second. No, it's not. And I've gone back through the previous issues. Yeah. This is issue 56. Mm -hmm. Jan has been calling him Hank. Since at least as far back as issue 48. Oh, geez. Which is before she became Giant Man. That was like the last Ant-Man issue. So she's the first person to start calling him Hank? She, yeah, and evidently, uh, to, to my to my uh, scanning abilities, the narration doesn't ever use it. The narration calls him Henry, but Jan calls him Hank. I like that idea that, you know, if you want a headcanon that, she takes it upon herself to give him a special name that only she calls him because that makes her feel special. Mm -hmm. That happens sometimes. Like, I'm going to start calling you Skippy, you know? It's like, okay, great. And she's had this new headpiece, I think, before, but I do like her current look. 
You can see it really well on page 17, both from afar and from close up. You know, with the headpiece with her oh, hair kind yeah. of sticking out around the edges. Her hair sticks out now. Yeah. Um, so this whole business, though, of her saving or releasing the air out of the Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. But again, so here you go. She's doing something heroic, but it's per his instruction. So it seems yeah. like anytime she does something that's cool, it's because he told her to. So she never takes right. anything upon herself. She never takes the initiative. She always gets captured. Well, when she does, she's quickly tramped down. Yeah, so she's like Robin, essentially. Yeah, bottom of page 15. Quick, Jen, while I'm fighting that walking bag of tricks, here's what I want you to do. And she flies off. And here's the thing. With the way that it's drawn, Mm -hmm. you could have written it where it's all on her. Yeah. Like, this could be her idea and her contribution to the team effort. Right. Yeah, she could have easily had a thought balloon like, I got to... I got to take this thing down or something instead of this is what yeah. Hank told me to do. Mm-hmm. It's funny that she's really so, worried about him dying and everything, but you know, magic man seems just fine. Yeah. She drops the, the Zeppelin on the magic man is able to get up and she's like, Oh, what happened to Henry? He died <laughs> under the thing. I feel the only man okay. I've ever loved. Okay. So did you laugh out loud too? When let's like, okay, you picture giant man folding an airplane and then I don't know, like how does he throw it and sit on it at the same time? And <laughs> I just couldn't picture it. It was weird. I didn't even think about that, but that's great. Did he throw it or did he just like kind of hover it in the air and hope he landed yeah, he on it? He probably did. He yeah. probably went back to his catapult. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I don't know. I just can't even figure out how he did it, but it's kind of hilarious. I'm thinking maybe he took it back to his catapult back at the, uh, you know, in New Jersey and like launched it out of the catapult and the ants <laughs> like felt it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. How do you throw a, an airplane? You know, how do you throw a hammer and then grab it and let it pull you? But he has magic on his side. Yeah. Okay, so that's the thing. There's one panel in this page 13 where the Zeppelin that he's escaping into is the same color as the sky. And so, like, Giant Man goes, oh, so that's how he vanishes. He painted his blimp blue. And it's like, okay, but that's not how he vanished at the party. And that's not how he made lightning bolts and doves and stuff appear or that tarp just magically appear out of nowhere. So it's like, is he a magician or is he a... you know, a Mysterio. Yeah. I don't know. Does it matter? Because we never see him again. So who cares? We, we never see him again. But Henry hears her say, the only man I've ever loved. And, um, you know, we end with, you know, say, weren't you alone? Uh, well, no, what is it? Yeah. Now I know there can never be anyone else for me. And he says, there never will be, Jen. I promise you that. And it's just like, oh, that's very sweet. You know, the, the little promise of devotion. But they're not saying, I love you which would be a great thing to hear in a comic about a people, a couple who love each other. I think that's against the comics code though. <laughs> could be, or it could be against what they think readers want. And like you said, this doesn't mean anything because nothing happens after this as far as, you know, engagement or wedding or anything. Yeah. And that's a whole different weird. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, um, I feel like we kind of tore that to pieces, but Hey, it's our cop podcast. So that's what we're going to do. Wasn't my favorite story. I haven't really been enjoying Ant-Man lately. Giant man, whatever. Yeah. And this, yeah. Yeah, we've talked about that. He kind of loses something. But um, there is a backup story. Beware the bog beast. The mm-hmm. wasp tells a tale. Mm-hmm. So her most agency in this series now is telling stories to people in the back of the, in the backup. <laughs> really good stories. Right. And this is story and plot by Stan Lee. Script and art by Larry Lieber. Inking Paul Reinman. Lettering Art Simic. Now, Giant Man is pumping iron. Because you've got to pump those big muscles. He's like, I'm twice the size of the Hulk, and yet he's stronger than I am. Yeah, you are never 
going to be as strong as the Hulk right. ever. Yeah, big burn. Yeah, if you can, maybe you can get big enough to like pick up the Hulk. But you'll never be as strong as he is. All right, so Jan is like, stop working out. I want to tell you a story. He's like, fine, whatever. So there are a young couple in love, a royal um, princess and a man who is not worthy of her hand, according to the king. And so the king's like, fine, we will test men's courage to see who is worthy of your hand. We're going to put you on this little island with the bog beast, who's like this cross between a rhinoceros and a boar. And um, whoever is willing to face the bog beast and beat it will be worthy of your hand. So she's like, thanks, Dad. I am a piece of property. Let's go try this out. (laughs) Um, And several people try. Uh, One person tries to beat the bog beast with a tree, but the bog beast breaks the tree. One person tries to uh, launch an arrow with a net on the bog beast. The bog beast burns off the net. And um, uh, Henry is like, okay, so... So how did it end? And she's like, oh, you want to know how it ended? I guess you just got to stop working out and take me to dinner. Huh? Like dinner for the end of a story, I guess. So they go out and she's like, okay, so what really happened was that the boy that she liked came to the end of the bridge that led to the island and didn't go and face the bog beast, but instead just called to her to come to him. And she was able to leave the island and come to him. And he didn't have to face the bog beast. And evidently that won the game. So, yeah. yeah that was the end. Yeah. Kind of interesting how they, they did it off camera. The ending. Yeah. Um, that was interesting. It, it, if you're running out of pages, you can just take, you know, six panels of story and squeeze it into one panel of dialogue. And it gave Jan and Hank more to do, kind of. Or at least more screen time. Yeah, but of course it ends with him being sort of insulting that like, you know, oh, I'm going to match wits with a female, gosh. But I'm kind of like, you know, that, that I, I kind of like clever people, Henry, and that was kind of a clever ending, or at least she's telling a story and you don't have to insult her. So, yeah. Yeah. Symbolically, it's pretty good because it's like what you're saying is the two guys that tried to forcibly take her hand couldn't do it. And the guy who asked for her hand won it. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, asked for her to come to him. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty good. Would you come over and be with me? And she said yes, because she chose him instead of just being a prize. I like it. Also, the first appearance of Hercules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was somebody there, wasn't it? It kind of looked like him, but it wasn't. Very Hercules-esque. So, oh, well. Hercules could Hercules. totally beat the Bog Beast. Definitely could be the Bog Beast. Also, this is the first mention of the Hulk. In a giant man story, oh. which is fun because the Hulk is going to be in Tales to Astonish and not too much longer. That little, you know, his being upset that he's twice the size, but the Hulk's still stronger made me think of the first time the Ultimates fought the Hulk and Giant Man was being all cocky and the Hulk just like <laughs> jumped up into his mouth and started ripping his face open. That was funny. That is funny. All right. Anyway. So just just to put it out there, this is issue 56. Okay. Issue 57 is the one issue of this series that I've read 20 times because it has Spider-Man in it. Okay. Issue 58 is something. And issue 59 is Giant Man versus the Hulk. And then after that, it's the Hulk in the book or no? Yep. After that, the Hulk is in the book. That's funny that they did that twice then at least. Have them fight and then share a book. Which is what happens with Cap and Iron Man. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like, is that their, that's yeah. their shtick? It's like, if you that's guys are going to share a book, you have to fight first. All right. Yep, yep, yep. Speaking of Hulk and fighting and Iron Man and Cap, you want to move on? 
The Avengers. Avengers. I get that. So, yay. Fun. Also, March 3rd, cover dated May 1964. That was the year Dr. No came out, too, or something, isn't it? No, that was last year. Yes. Anyway. Dr. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dr. No's been out for a while. Okay. So, The Invasion of the Lava Men. Let's see if this has any cool uh, thingy. An epic tale told with high drama and heroic dignity by mm. Stan Lee, illustrated with deep sincerity and dazzling beauty by Jack Kirby, inked by Paul Reinman, letter by Sam Rosen. Okay. <laughs> so, The Mighty Avengers, The Invasion of the Lava Man. It picks up right where Fantastic Four left off. 26, I think. Yes. Um, they come back to the house, and if we recall correctly, the last time they were at their mansion, they fought the Hulk, and the Hulk kidnapped Rick, and he made a big exit through a wall. So the mansion is trashed. They all kind of look around going, wow, it's a good thing we're not Tony Stark, huh? Everybody high fives and goes back to their lives, leaving Iron Man sitting there going, um, they all kind of do like a little exposition on, no, actually they don't. I thought they would. They were going to, I thought they'd do like a, this is what we do in our normal lives thing, but they don't really. They cut instead to Tony Stark's lab where this big machine blows up because of this crazy seismic Activity. So, of course, they call Tony. He says he's going to go investigate. Meanwhile, Janet and Wasp were already on the case. They found like an anthill that's just expanding on its own from vibrations. And Giant Man has like this cool doohickey and like this thing on his head. And they look like they're really serious. Um, also, I guess time must have passed for the newspaper to publish this phenomenon because uh, Donald Blake reads about it, decides, you know what? We should get the Avengers back together. Turns to Thor, goes to find Cap who's entertaining the team brigade and teaching Rick Jones how to uh, eat his Wheaties, I guess. Mm -hmm. Doing a bunch of flips and turns and telling everybody how important it is to stay in shape with a super soldier serum. Um, so anyway, Thor shows up and he kind of like gets the band back together. And while they're trying to figure out what to do, or they pinpoint that it's coming from a certain location in the Southwest where, guess what? The Hulk likes to hang out. Is it related to the dun, Hulk? Dun, dun. And Rick Jones is like, I don't think it is, but let's go find out. So meanwhile, we cut over there, and there's Thunderbolt Ross complaining about this big giant rock that's slowly expanding and coming out of the ground. And lo and behold, Bruce Banner shows up. And Betty's like, yay, look, Daddy Bruce is back. And he's like, oh, I hate you. I don't approve of your daughter, but go figure out this stone thing. So he goes over there to check it out, and he has like little flashbacks about fighting the Avengers and stuff. Anyway, um, now it cuts to the source of the stone. And what it is, is like a little, you know, how icebergs, you only see the top like one third or something. Really underneath is this huge rock. And it's part of the layer of uh, 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 the lava men. And they're all like kind of pushing the rock up with this big uh, gadget that they invented to like, you know, I don't know if they turn it. It like pushes the rock up into the earth. They want to get it out of their environment. And that one lava guy that Thor just recently fought is like, please don't do this. Um, the surface guys are actually kind of cool. And also they're very powerful and kicked my butt. So we don't want to make them upset, but the King doesn't listen. And the witch doctor doesn't listen. Um, then it cuts back to the Avengers. They show up. Iron Man tries to blow the rock up, but it sort of just explodes really badly. And then the lava men start pouring out and they start, beating on him and stuff but then thor shows up with the warhammer and 
they all go like, ah, oh, run away. And so they run away and Thor goes into the lair after them. They try and kill him with lava and stuff, but he's a god and it doesn't work. He finally gets onto the center. He sees what's going on and he's like, what's going on? And they say, okay, well, like millions of billions of moons ago, this asteroid crashed and this piece fell and it's called like a, uh, I don't know what it's called. It's like a certain kind of rock. Anyway, it's ever been expanding. Yeah, I, don't know what I can't remember. We'll get to it. Yeah. Um, but it's like ever been expanding. And the one time they tried to destroy it, they took it to an island. This is a long time ago, kids, so we don't know about it. And they hit it with a rock and the entire island exploded. So it's like, dang, not only was that tiny little rock able to destroy that entire island, but it's been expanding ever since. And it's in our backyard. So our plan, Thor, let's tell you, since you're powerful and scare us, is we're going to push this rock up to the surface. And then we're going to hope you guys are stupid enough to hit it or blow it up, or it's going to expand enough to blow up and it'll kill everybody on the surface and we'll be okay down here somehow. And then we'll just come up and take over after you're all dead. Um, meanwhile, up above cap and iron man and wasp are all like fighting lava men who are, you know, coming out of this tunnel that iron man created. Um, giant man kind of blows them back by picking up a helicopter and doing something cool. I think at some point, Iron Man discovers, or is it Giant Man? Oh, it's Giant Man, I think. Giant Man and Wasp discover that there's one sweet spot on this rock that mm -hmm. won't make the rock explode. If you hit it there really hard with something that doesn't have, like, a spreadable force, like, say, oh, I don't know, a hammer of a god or something, it'll be destroyed. So someone go get Thor. Where's Thor? And everybody's like, oh, he's inside talking to the lava men, so we don't know where he is. Oh, no. Meanwhile, Bruce Banner starts having a panic attack. Because of all this fighting and stuff. And he turns into Hulk. He sees the Avengers. And guess what? Still has a grudge. So he starts to attack them. Um, downstairs, Thor starts to attack the Lava Men. He swings his hammer around. And uh, the Witch Doctor guy has his own, like, cosmic lava rod. And the two smack together. And there's, like, this million-in-a-one lottery uh, molecule exchange explosion thing. And then it turns Thor back to... Donald Blake, and it's such a shock, he, like, falls over and he's so weak he can't even, like, lift his arm to tap the cane again and turn back to Thor. So now what are we going to do? Well, upstairs, Cap's like, well, we can't wait for Thor, so I have an idea. And he, like, coordinates his team to basically trick the Hulk into trying to punch him and has Wasp, for the first time doing something cool, fly down and, uh, you know, tease the Hulk. And the Hulk goes to swat her. She moves out of the way. And of course he hits that exact perfect spot that giant man wants Thor to hit. And he's the Hulk. So he's just as strong and just as powerful. And the thing blows up and knocks them all around. Uh, Thor finally regains enough strength to turn back to Thor. Sorry, Donald, you know, same idea. He makes his way to the surface and goes, wow, what happened? Um, the whole surface is now made of glass because the thing was so concussive and everything. It turned everything to glass. Thor, like, tells the lava men to go back home or he's going to spank them. They all say, yes, master. Um, and he, like, closes up the cave with his awesome hammer. They, nobody can find Hulk. But uh, Betty takes a Jeep and goes out in the desert and finds Bruce Banner laying there, like, topless and beat up. And she's like, what did that nasty Hulk do to you? And he says, oh, yeah, right. What did the Hulk do to me? That's it. And then uh, the Avengers gather back together and some guy delivers a letter and it's from the team brigade and it says a code red emergency. Let's go. And then it's over. 
So we don't know what the emergency yeah, is Yeah, emergency yet. call to come to the next issue, which is still two months away because it's bi-monthly. Mm-hmm. So you kids back then had to like wait on the edge of your seat to find out what the code red was. Dun, dun, dun. So, um... We've, we've, we've talked about this one before. Yeah, we have, because this has Captain America in it. Mm-hmm. What, uh, I liked what are your it. thoughts on... I liked, uh, we've said before, we've kind of made fun of this book, that they've never once successfully been a team that mattered so far. And right. so they've finally um, done something that helped mankind for once. Took five issues. <laughs> and they came back from stopping the Hulk mm-hmm. at Gibraltar. So that was like a little bit of hoopla at the beginning of issue four. But then they got turned into stones. That sort of, you know, killed the pizzazz. Yeah. Well, okay. So issue one, they form. Issue two, they fight Submar- Space Phantom. Space Phantom, who just makes them fight so, each other. Yeah, they fight. So first, first one, they stop the Hulk from a rampage. Second one, they fight each other. Third one, they fight Submariner and the Hulk. Fourth so one. So that's also just like a private ordeal. No, they f- no third one, they fight Submariner. Fourth one, they fight Submariner and the Hulk and gain Captain America. And now this one. And then there were some Fantastic Four issues in between where they're fighting each other again. And it's all fighting the Hulk, which is them. So it's all pretty much their fault. And this is the first time like Earth is in danger and they show up and actually do something that's unrelated to the Avengers. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. And so when they showed up in Fantastic Four to stop the Hulk and Fantastic Four were like, dude, we're here. We've got it. Uh-huh. Like, no, 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 the Hulk is ours. We got it. I can imagine Fantastic Four were like, who are you? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And We've they met the Hulk. <laughs> they they did play it that way though, because the Avengers were like, "We hope to someday be as cool as you, Fantastic Four. So, right. At least they played them off as the veterans. Um, I like the back to back nature of these books so far. They have really run one into the other. In fact, I was going to talk about that here in a minute because there's there's a break in the action here during mm-hmm. this story. Mm-hmm. But then the end of this issue leads directly into six. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to insert some continuity for the characters, you're kind of hard up for some, for, for where to do it. Um, yeah. Cause there's a time problem in this issue, which we can talk about in a second, but well, so on page two, you know, they're all there. They're like, Oh crap. Our place was Tony Stark's mansion was totally smashed in the fantastic four twenty six when the Hulk showed up and tried to beat us up in our own home. Mm-hmm. So now they got, they've got to clean it up, but they all start leaving. Like, okay, we'll just deal with this later. And, um, I like how on the middle of page two, Iron Man turns around because Tony wants to socialize with his friends and suddenly his friends are all gone. <laughs> like, Giant Man is tiny. Thor has flown away. He's like, oh, I guess I'm alone now. And they left him to clean up his own mess, in you know, unintentionally. Yeah, yeah they did. So, I've said that I, the Avengers are my favorite team in Marvel, at least. Uh-huh. My favorite team. And uh, But I got to say, maybe there is something to the X-Men or the FF that the Avengers don't have. Cause I was sort of sad when they're all back at the mansion. And the first thing they do is go home separately. Mm-hmm. It's like, that doesn't happen in the fantastic four. They all live together kind of, except for, you know, we know they don't, but they do. Um, yeah. X-Men too. They all live together. So they hang out and there's this camaraderie. There's these camaraderie scenes that we're not getting from this story anyway, because they all just like go lead their separate lives. And that's exactly what they do. They go lead their separate lives. And so this little bit at the end of, you know, in the middle of page three Mm -hmm. is because it says a few days later, there are a few days where Iron Man can go deal with Black Widow Mm -hmm. and uh, Giant Man can have the story we just did with the magician. Yeah. You know, all that can happen during this time. Um, You know, Captain America, he's back from the dead. He's got to figure out how to live a life. And there actually is 
I don't know if you remember in the 90s, there was a book that was called, I think I wrote down the name, like Captain America Living Legend or something. And it's mostly an information book. But there's this little short story by him, like going to like get a driver's license and some other stuff. Uh-huh. And officially, that's slotted in right here. Yeah. So what's fun? So here's where the time thing is weird for me a little bit. And it can be explained away, but like all the seismic stuff is happening. And there's a newspaper about it, so it must be happening for at least a little while. It takes a day to publish a newspaper. Um, but Cap was leaving with Rick to go train, and he's training with Rick. So I guess you could just say, well, he's been doing that for days or weeks, or he does it every day at 2 o'clock or something. But that seemed, yeah. like, that seemed like an immediate, that just happened, and now this is happening, versus everybody else seemed to have days and days of downtime. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, it could just be that they went to go train, and then a few days later, oh, they're having another Mm -hmm. get-together. But here's my thing. So, like, page three, panel two. Remember those acrobatic tricks I promised to teach you, Rick? This is as good a time as any. And he's like, that's great, Cap. So, they had a conversation at some point where Cap's like, hey, I'll train you on some stuff if you want. And now here, Tony Stark is like, it's lucky the boy found a friend like Captain America. And I was like, wait a second. Wait, wait, wait a second. What if all this talk about Captain America taking Rick Jones under his wing and he lost his partner, Bucky, and now he's adopted Rick Jones and all that? What if someone just overheard Cap promising to show Rick some tricks? That in a yeah. passing conversation, and now all the other Avengers have blown it out of proportion. Oh yeah, I mean they are still the only ones talking about this whole partnership idea, right? Last book and last issue and this one, it's like, oh boy, I can't wait for those two to partner up. And Cap's just like, hey, how's it going, Rick? Rick's like, hi, how are you? The end of their conversation. Yeah, yeah. And they do some training, and it's cool. But this could be like they train on Monday, and they're like. Hey, what are you doing Saturday? You want to do this again? Yeah, I'll bring some friends this time. That sounds fun. And that's the end of their relationship. Like, that's it. And it makes sense, too, if you think about Cap having nobody that he knows that's a lot. Well, I guess they're all alive at this point, but he's definitely a fish out of water. Mm-hmm. So he's got this kid and the kids and the kids like, hey, do you mind showing my friends in like a couple days? Cap's probably like happy that he has something to do in a couple days, you know? Yeah. Like, he's got a lot of downtime right now to show off to kids. That probably won't happen eventually, but... And it's going to be a while before they address this on panel, but Cap has no place to live. No. And he he actually does start living in Tony Stark's mansion. I don't know when that starts, but you got to imagine he's the one who has to clean up all that mess from the Hulk fight. It's it's definitely by Tales of Suspense. When he starts sharing the book, he's definitely in in the mansion, so it's pretty quick. Yeah, he's got nowhere to go. He's Mr. Um, Avenger. These are going to be his friends. He, he's not going to have a personal life. Not for a long time. And even when he does start having some solo adventures in the modern day, which, by the way, is a really long-ass time away, mm-hmm. um, the question of Steve Rogers' personal life mm-hmm. is going to remain a murky, murky topic for a long time. Like, I want to say the 80s. The 80s. Is like when they start giving him his own, like they start Peter Parkering him a little bit and giving him his own place and a girlfriend and, you know, fellow tenants that he hangs out with and having a civilian life. Yeah, they toy with it briefly and inconsistently a few times in the 70s, but it's just they never land on a story for Steve Rogers. And now he's back to not having that again. So I guess it's just it never really takes for him. And that kind of makes sense for a character like this. 
<clears throat> the yeah. guy wants the guy wants to be Captain America all the time, so hard to have downtime. And in modern comics, it seems that I, I don't read Captain America. I have vague impressions based on random stuff that I have read, but it seems like nobody really wants a Steve Rogers story. It's all Captain America, and or they Steve don't even Rogers want Steve Rogers. Yeah, sometimes a lot of times, like well, the whole yeah. the whole story is let's get him out of the mask and put someone else in it. That happens a lot, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I was amused. Page three, panel two, it said, The millionaire playboy industrialist connects a carefully insulated wire from a device which never leaves his chest at the nearby wall outlet. And then Tony Stark's agonizing. How ironic it is. I am the envy of millions because I'm beautiful <laughs> and I'm rich. Anybody would want to be me. Hey, he does but, say alleged. Oh, Oh, dear sweet Lord, if only they knew about the shrapnel in my heart. And I'm not, you know, playing down heart conditions or whatever. But, like, I would think at this moment, he'd be more annoyed that, like, his factory's been attacked 22 times this month or or something. But no. He's remembering his old Playboy life and how he can't do it anymore. He's also smoking a cigarette. Or is that the plug? Um, I think that's the plug. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. No, you are right in that first panel. He is smoking a cigarette. Yeah. That's oh, a, wow. That's weird, huh? That'll help your heart. Yeah. And uh, um, we yeah. go to Giant Man, or I should say Ant-Man and the Wasp, and they're down in the ant pile, you know, doing stuff. And he's like, it's the only way that this, this, this stuff cannot be studied by any other method. No, that's a line. That You're, you're just telling her that because you want to play with Ant-Man's science and you want Jan to come with you. Yes, However, I did think this scene was cool because it is cool because it's nice to see that you know when Iron Man's in a book, you kind of have him as the uh, the team resident intelligence guy. But let's not forget Hank is pretty damn smart too. So it's neat to see him doing sciencey things. Yeah, Henry is smart, and and, and Jan likes to go and, and pal around with him. The thing is, mm-hmm. they're not really doing superhero stuff; they're doing sciencey and the anthill stuff, which is not really her bag. No, um, but she's but she's you know. She's with her boyfriend. Yeah, she's wearing the lamp head just like he is. It's cool. Mm-hmm. So, okay. I don't know if you have anything to say about Thor and Jane. Kind of the same old thing. Just that they actually say love. Oh, which, yeah. He accuses her of loving him. And she's like, who said I love you? And he's like, never mind. Ha ha. But then she gets well, all embarrassed. does this mean they have to get married now? I mean, he has to propose, right? Right? He can't. Right, giant man, he right? can't. He can't. Because Odin won't let him. Oh, yeah. He wants to. Oh, uh, the last thing about – oh, I guess we can go to the Captain America. Do you want to talk about the Captain America scene Well, more? I just want to say that if – especially back in the day, and I don't really now, but if you ran in the Cap fan circles on like 90s or you know 2000s message boards and stuff, like there's definitely a select group that want Cap to just be like a guy who's in really good shape mm-hmm. versus a super soldier. Right. And I think those guys, a lot of those guys – I hate to speak for them, but I'm going to because I'm here and they're not – come from this era where Stan is going to play up this idea that Cap is Cap because he eats his Wheaties and he exercises and practices a lot. Not Mm -hmm. because he was injected in the arm and then subjected to Vita Rays and is like way better than anybody could be just through exercise. Right. And on the page, they completely ignore the super soldier serum. Yes. They address the question, the letters columns, that no, 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 the super soldier serum has worked itself out of his system. Yeah. Before he ever went under the ice. So, like, the explanation of how Captain America even survived in the ice is never really given 
in this era of comics. No, it isn't. It's not till like the nineties when someone decides that it was crystal crystallized super soldier serum or something. Something like that. Yeah. So I was going to ask you if you thought that even at this early date of his second Avengers issue, if you think that they've, you know, Stan and Jack have decided to nix the super soldier serum idea and just go with, he's the peak of human conditioning. Cause it seems like it. I definitely, I definitely think Stan wants that. And I don't know why he wants that. I guess cause he wants cap to be like a hero that kids can, you know, try to accomplish themselves or something. I don't know that Jack is on board with that. Cause sometimes I think he draws things that look really cool. And then Stan captions them as like razor sharp heels that he uses to mm-hmm. cut the rope, but it looks like Jack just drew him ripping the rope. I don't know. Right. But yeah, it's this stuff. And then the handbook will also say something like under his known powers. The first sentence is Captain America has no known powers. So between those two, there's definitely a group of people that are just like, no, Cap is not super awesome. But I don't know. So here's here's my effort to try to get inside their heads and see what maybe they were thinking. Mm -hmm. This is 1964. Um, You have a lot of concerns about juvenile delinquency. Yeah. And I think one of those concerns is drug use. Yeah. So I think if we're going to have an all-American Captain America idol of the youngster type of thing, having him be, get out there, exercise, you know, be active. Yeah. You know, tone yourself, focus yourself. You can be disciplined. You can be a better person. And I can kind of dig the humanism of it. And I can see why maybe they would want to ignore at least ignore for now and maybe come up with a reason for it later but just ignore the super soldier serum part because like we've said before the golden age doesn't exist no and in the golden age that you and i have covered for our cap show a while back he totally had powers so totally had powers super strong super strong all that that stuff so i guess yeah i mean i guess it makes sense you don't want the guy the representation of the american dream saying take steroids like me kids right so so but I'm, I'm going to be curious. It does. Like it does by the seventies, by the seventies, other 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 writers will have him doing much stronger things. Well, like Steve Englehart, I think has a whole storyline where like his super soldier serum gets reactivated or something, and it doesn't go well or something like that. I forget exactly why. I think he gets even more powerful than he's ever been for a while, and then that where I can't remember how that worked either. But he had super strength for a while, like more than he usually does. Mm-hmm. But there's been tons of instances. I like I, I read that like, oh, the MCU really made Cap way stronger than he is in the comics, and it's like, eh, I don't know. I think there's a lot of comics where the where it clearly shows that he's often very strong, but not the Stan stuff so much. So Thor lands and tells him, "Hey, we got stuff going down. Come on, let's go back to the mansion." And he like woof, 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 and flies off, mm-hmm. and I can just see Cap and Rick. They look at each other. They shrug. Yeah. And they just start jogging off in that general direction. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe they catch a subway back to the mansion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is pretty funny. But it's better than being carried because that's embarrassing. Yes. So Hulk continuity. Yeah. Bruce Banner continuity. Right? That was a now, surprise. I forgot he was in this. Even though it right, says right on the as cover. Bruce Banner. Or even as Hulk, I forgot, but it's he's totally on the cover. But when I was thinking about the story in my head, I forgot he was part of it. Yeah, we're getting near the end of the Hulk's, you know, pre-astonished continuity here. Um, now, there was that one panel in Tales of Suspense 49 where Bruce Banner was on base working and doing his job. Mm-hmm. Ross does say you've been gone for months. 
but the months he's talking about are since Suspense 49. So like four months. And it's during that time, since he left the base, he went off and became the Hulk. That's when Avengers 3 and 4 would have to take place. Yeah. Um, you know, Namor finds him and tricks him into helping him. And then they have the stuff on the Gibraltar rock and all that other jazz. Um, so now he's gone, try to find his way back to his life. And Ross takes him back. And this basically is kind of like an immediately an immediate prelude to what's going to happen in Tales to Astonish 60 and going forward. It's funny that he keeps trying to come back to his life. Like, mm-hmm. I think I would have given up by now. Every four months, I get a day as Bruce Banner, and then I disappear for four months again. Maybe stop trying to figure out this job thing and just, right. just you know, be a panhandler or something. I don't know. He keeps coming back, and he's like, oh, I was really sick. And they're like, oh, fine. Good thing you're a civilian or I'd fire you or whatever. Um Maybe he actually does get to be human for a bit longer than it. Than you know, we we don't get to see any of the human stuff because the human stuff is boring, right? No, but he did say, like you said, he's been gone for months. In this. Maybe he was around for a while before that disappearance. Yeah, that's the thing. Like we complained about, in or maybe I just did in the Incredible Hulk series, is he's kind of just a vessel. He's not a personality. Yeah. Um, so we don't know. Like even in these pictures, he's just Kirby loves to draw him just like sitting there looking mopey. So I don't really know who Bruce Banner is or what his reasons for existence are other than he doesn't want to turn to the Hulk. And I don't know if you remember, but those first four issues of the Hulk took place over the space of like a handful of days. Mm -hmm. Cause remember how like Betty Banner was very conscious, Betty Banner, uh, Betty Ross was very conscious of Bruce's absence and disappearance just a few days ago. Yeah. And we were kind of like, we were kind of like waiting for the big reunion of Bruce and Betty. And then suddenly he was just back at work again. Um, yeah. It was there, a bit disheartening. There has to be a miniseries somebody did. There has to be, man. So, f- yeah. That, that ending where they're like happy and walking away and the Hulk is never going to bother me again. What happened after that? Right. I don't know. But theoretically, he was Bruce Banner for like a long time until he was the Hulk again in Avengers number one. Yeah. So somewhere between the end of Hulk and Avengers number one, I hope there's like some sort of story that explains how long he got away with being Bruce Banner and what happened to make him turn back to the Hulk again. Turn back to the Hulk. Yeah. What's weird is that to the Hulk, it's like, it's just a continuous story. Like he knows that he was part of the team and whenever he's Hulk again, he's like, oh wait, where am I? Okay. Oh, there's the Avengers. That's right. They were totally jacking with me. I don't like them. Let's pick up right where we left off. Right. Yeah. Maybe he has no memory in between lapses. I don't know. Yeah. Um, But, you know, they give the flashbacks for the Hulk, which is kind of cool because that series was a long time ago Mm -hmm. by this point. Yeah. So we get to this big living rock thing, which makes no sense to me whatsoever. It's... It's being pushed through the surface, which is causing an earthquake, but not an earthquake that radiates outward all the way to New York. This is like a ventriloquist earthquake <laughs> that like sends shockwaves far away and they just land in New York. Yeah, it's very Mole Man technology, isn't it? It is. Because if this were like actual shockwaves radiating, I'm pretty sure that Arizona and New Mexico just wouldn't exist anymore. I do like the cinematic feel of this, like, thing that's coming, you know? and Oh, on page nine, that big panel? Well, not just – that's a great panel. But in it just even bleeding up to this, like, 
something's happening and every individual Avenger finds out in some way or another. And then they all get together and the army can't figure out what it is. And the Avengers are coming and then there's, you know, there's going to be a big fight. So it's kind of a cool buildup, but you're right. Like scientifically, it makes no sense really. No, be right. I do like how the, you know, the team goes their separate ways on page three. And then like each of them has a reason to come back to the, to the fight. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's good. That's a very middle of the Avengers movie Mm -hmm. type of situation. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Okay. So the lava men say they sent Molto to the surface months ago. Uh-huh. But Loki twisted his mind and made him attack the Earth people. So I don't know exactly why they sent it, what he was going to do on the surface or any of that stuff. And I forgot to look up number 97 because I honestly could not remember the end. Apparently Thor was nice to him and let him go or something because he seems to be really enamored with Thor. Yeah. Um, but I don't I remember what happened. the end. Um, it's a really, really good question. How about while I look, ah, don't make noises. My computer's making noises. Stop it. While I am looking this up real quick, uh, you could talk about, um, what do you think about Iron Man calling his stuff repulsors finally? Very cool. I'm really tired of the word transistor. However, (laughs) he continues to use that word in his own book. As far as I remember. Um, yeah. Repulsor just sounds cooler. Transistor sounds like really old technology to me. Uh, it does. So. It's like screaming 1960s, yeah. which, you know, we're in the 1960s, yeah, exactly. but still. But it just really dates him badly. So Repulsor sounds better. I do – this panel on page 10 made me laugh a little bit. I don't know if he means it this way. But Iron Man or somebody says to do something and Cap says, you heard the man, Rick. We don't question each other's commands. Iron, must, Iron Man must have his reason. I thought that's a horrible way to run a team. We don't question each other's commands. So anybody can make a command – and we follow it. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, there is no leader yet, obviously. There's nothing established. But that's not a great strategy. Like, whoever shouts out a command first, we'll all just do it. It seems like the sort of policy that might work in battle, as long as you have the understanding that after this is over, we're, we need to have a conversation about how it went down. Yeah. But, but yeah, because it's like, okay. Um, I don't know if you watch Young Justice. Do you watch the cartoon Young Justice? I've, not this new season, but I've seen it up till then. So in the first season, they make Aqualad their leader, mm-hmm. and then there's some events that cause them in the middle of a mission to question his loyalty and his ability to lead. And Aqualad's like, okay, look, you chose to make me your leader. So we're in the field. You're going to follow what I say. If you want to still have this conversation after we're done, I will happily step down. But right now, we're here. I'm in command because you said so. Yeah. And that kind of confidence is good, but you're in the you're in the field, and all five of you can just say whatever. Yeah, I also think Cap is very earnest still about this team that he's only been on for five minutes. Yeah, we don't question each other's of- commands, Rick. How do you know? You don't even know these guys. You didn't even bother to hang out with them like between missions. Okay, so the <laughs> the I did find the ending of the previous Lava Man story, and it does not have the most congenial ending. Okay. Um, Lava Man turns himself into a giant lava statue who's, like, falling over on Thor. Thor uses his hammer to, like, um, swirl around Lava Man and put him into a vortex that he directs into a volcano. And so, like, Thor is just able to, like, redirect their fight and get rid of Lava Man. Okay. He was spawned by an erupting volcano. He shall return whence he came. And he, like, caps off the volcano to trap him down there. They didn't even talk about ending the fight. He just says, Okay, so now in this issue on page nine, he says, 
Your Majesty, listen to me. We must not do this terrible thing. I alone, of all the lava men, have seen the surface people. They are not evil. They do not deserve this. So where is that coming from? If all Thor did was throw him in a volcano, you know? Yeah, I don't know. There seems to be a bit of a disconnect between that story and this, which is what I remembered from the last, like, the first or second time when I read this, and I was, like, only reading the Thor Lava Man story because the Lava Man I knew from Avengers 5. And I was like, wow, this doesn't really seem to connect up. Yeah, they could have changed that dialogue to instead, don't do this, Thor will destroy us. Trust me, I know. Or something like that. That would have made more sense. He's a pretty powerful dude. I mean, it works for all the other aliens that get scared of humans because one superhuman does something crazy. Yeah. And Thor is so freaking cool in this issue. I, he I, really is. I really like Avengers Thor a lot. I always have. But yeah, this is fantastic. Walking through lava is one of the more like godlike ability things that he has done. Yeah. Yeah. I love that he also showed like Iron Man's about to die and like. Straight up out of, I mean, they didn't rip off the movie, obviously, other way around, but straight up out of Infinity War, man, this bolt just comes down and they all go flying off mm-hmm. and he's just standing there like, hey, leave my dude alone. I'll go in there, you guys. I got this. <laughs> and yeah, sinks in the lava, walks through. No one tries to fight him or anything because, you know, why bother? You know, it just occurred to me while you were saying that mm-hmm. we're in the Southwest and Molto attacked New York. That's a really long walk. Oh, yeah. Well, because, you know, they're in the center of the earth, so they could just come out any direction, I guess, right? I guess it's just the whole thing where underground is underground no matter where you are. Yeah. Because the mole man can do stuff in New York and Paris. Yeah, he can align his tractors to make the city sink all over the world. Yeah. Somehow. So, on page 15, where they're talking about the origin of the living rock, Mm -hmm. he says, We learn to our dismay that any impact caused a violent explosion. Just the speeding sound wave which resulted caused an entire deserted island in your Pacific Ocean to be blown to bits. And it feels like a specific reference to something, but they don't use the name. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, it blew up that one island. Remember when that happened? That was us. But we don't know what it was because now it's 2019 and we don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, but I just wonder, like, historically, do we know of any island that blew up many moons ago? I could look up Pacific Islands that blew up. Because <laughs> I'm assuming this is pre-bomb. Uh, no, this I mean, this is the 60s. The bomb was the 40s. No, but he says many moons ago when a sudden underground blast rocked our city. Although maybe the whole destroying the island took place later. Yeah, I thought that – oh. I don't know. It doesn't really say like when the rock lands. Is that the same time that they're doing this whole smash it and the island blows up? Or is that a, like decades later? It doesn't really say. I figured – Weird. I just assumed that all of this with the Living Rock happened since Molto got back. Oh, well, who knows what moons mean? Yeah. Many moons ago, when a sudden underground blast rocked our city, it was caused by some sort of atomic upheaval from deep within the core of the Earth. Atomic upheaval. That sounds odd. Weird. Weird. Um, Well, they figure that if they get the rock up to the surface, that any explosion will just go upward. Makes no, and not hurt them? Makes no sense. Yeah, explosions usually radiate in all directions. Uh-huh. And apparently they can blow up islands, so it's not going to – this land between you and your your cave underneath the ground is not going to, you know, survive. And then they're like, men of the lava world, the time has come. We strike for victory. And they send an army to the surface. And I'm like, wait, wait a sec. Are you – are you going to use the living rock to wipe everyone out on the surface and then take over? 
That's what you just said. Or are you sending an army up to attack everyone on the surface? Because if the living rock is going to blow up everyone, you don't want your people up there. Right. They sort of backpedal on that a little bit. That that That's uh, weird. That uh, magic guy just goes crazy. Mm-hmm. As they always do. It's always that guy. The spiritual guy. That's ruining everything for everybody. The witch doctor. Yeah, the witch doctor. Cool design, though. He is a cool design. Actually, I like the Lava Men look a lot in this. I mean, Molto is just a dude made of lava. Uh-huh. But the king looks cool. The witch doctor looks cool. Yeah. And I looked up the term witch doctor because I thought maybe this was kind of derogatory, but I couldn't find any evidence that it, it's considered like that. It basically is synonymous with shaman. Depending on the culture, you might use the word shaman. You might use the word witch doctor, but they basically mean the same thing. I think they call him a witch doctor in this, don't they? Or no? Yeah, they, yeah, they do. Okay. Um, the Avengers have a helicopter with a nice little monogrammed A on the side. Yes, and they have A1 clearance already. To, well, that's crazy. To land anywhere. And I thought, that's silly. They don't even exist. But then I thought, well, Tony Stark. He- yeah, I feel like Tony Stark is making all this stuff happen. Like He has contact with the government. Thor is a god. Who has a doctor's? Well, no, Don Blake has some connections. We've seen that before. Um, Henry Pym is a random scientist, dude. Uh-huh. We don't even know that. Uh, but he also works for the government sometimes. Well, he does. He does. He does. I'm just assuming it's Tony, though. It's probably Tony. I'm assuming because he's giving him the mansion and the hookups. Um, they don't say, though. They don't say how any of this is happening. It's just, I guess they're a fully established team and they already have clearances. Their helicopter seems really, really small, though. Giant Man picks it up. Their helicopter's really lame. Yeah. It was. I don't think helicopters are actually that small. I looked it up because, you know, why not? Mm-hmm. The smallest helicopter is a one-man vehicle. It's basically a chair with wheels. And the blades on that thing are over 12 feet long. And this guy is just picking up a helicopter and turning it on its side. And it, he just, and it has enough power to knock all the lava men off their feet, so it must be big. Yeah, but he just the, – the, the, there's no way the blades were that short. So I'm betting he turned it over and accidentally, like, split all the blades as it was turning. He's like, oh, sh- oh crap. I- okay, well, our helicopter doesn't really work anymore now because I just broke all the blades off. Um, speaking of the A, though, like, you know, the iconic Avengers A with the arrow. Mm-hmm. We don't have that on the covers yet for the logo. No, we don't. But the logo we do have has an A that's kind of Superman-y. Mm-hmm. And they don't do that on the side of the helicopter. It's just like a little handwritten A. So it's weird yeah, it's just a little... Weird that they're not consistent. It's the kind of A you'd expect to find on your towels. <laughs> yeah, it's a monogrammed A. Mm-hmm. Anyway, just weird. Um, Thor? No, no. No. Um, Hulk. Bruce Banner's just chilling. He's looking into the mystery of the living rock because that's his job. He's a scientist. And the change doesn't seem to be triggered by anything. He's like, this is probably caused by some strange underground upheaval. I'm changing into the Hulk. I can't stop. <laughs> He's not. He hasn't been consistent. He wasn't consistent in his own book either. So maybe they still haven't figured out that stress and anger is what should change him. No, they really haven't changed that. Oh, remember remember the very end of the solo series where like he tried to change back and couldn't, but then it just kind of happened on its own a page later? Mm-hmm. So... Maybe that's what this is. Maybe there's like, oh, yeah, now he just changes sometimes. So he says as soon as he pops out as the Hulk, he says, where am I? I hear voices of my enemy. Maybe Bruce – I'm going to do a headcanon. Maybe Bruce Banner, who's standing there watching this rock, he hears the Avengers. And the Hulk on the inside goes, Avengers? I want to beat him up. And he just works his way out. Ooh. 
And then, I like that. And then, you know, so it's like the Hulk just forcing a change more than more than Banner being weak and letting a change happen. Right. And yeah, the Hulk just picks up where he went off, left off last time he was the Hulk. Last time he was the Hulk, he, he fought the Avengers, and now here are the Avengers. He's going to fight them some more. I love this. Hold it. Look, behind us. It's him again. It's the Hulk. We got to get rid of him. Ah, uh, giant man. That is not what you say out loud. If you see the Hulk, I've always thought what I would do if I saw the Hulk, because he's going to kill me one way or the other. I would just say, buddy, it's been forever, and try and hug him. See what happens. Yeah. See what happens. And haven't they spent all this time, like, looking for the Hulk? Well, I guess they've got this about to explode living rock, and now the Hulk is like yeah. an agent of chaos. Yeah. They don't want him nearby. But they know he's sensitive, and one of the things he's sensitive about is not being wanted. So the first thing Giant Man says is, we've got to get rid of him. Henry is uh, such a such a feeling soul. <laughs> right. He, they don't say, hey, um, maybe okay. Hulk can help us. I don't know. Whatever. So Thor gets changed back to Don Blake. Yeah. And I think this is the first time we've ever seen him force changed uh-huh. by something physical. Now, I like that in the caption, they go out of their way to say a one in a million combination. Right. It's like, good. Don't establish this as a thing that this guy can do all the time because that'd be annoying. It's not like... Well, it's kind of like how Captain Marvel, when he changes, is a bolt of lightning. That doesn't necessarily mean that lightning causes the change. Right. But there is lightning involved. So evidently in his change, there is some sort of like physical aspect to the to the trigger that can be affected. The power that released from the witch doctor's glowing rod causes a nuclear shockwave. So it has to be nuclear level, first of all, for this to even have mm-hmm. a one in a million chance of happening. So that's good that they like really played up that it was a super freak accident. And I do like, I love the panel, his look on his face, like, oh crap, what just happened? Right. And then falling over and he's like so weak from this horrible change that he's never gone through before that he can't even like move. And this is the second time that someone has seen Thor change to Don Blake and get very scared as a result. Yeah, and luckily it wasn't one of the Avengers, I guess, since he's trying to keep that a secret. He is trying to keep that a secret still. Um, Cap is really trying to be useful on the next page. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep twirling my shield in front of him. The, <laughs> the reflections are dazzling him. That made me laugh out loud because I, yeah, I pictured that, is... that. I pictured all these guys wailing on the Hulk and Cap just like sitting there going, "Ooh." Uh, that made me laugh but he's being a leader that's cool yeah and he figured out taking some initiative or at least acting like and he figured out a way to get that that you know rock spot hit without thor and jan made it happen hello jan saves the day that was cool no no you couldn't catch a cold you big ape that was awesome actually this is the second or at least second time that jan is the only one who can annoy the hulk Yes, because she was in his ear the other issue, uh-huh. right? Like, no one else can affect him except Jan. That's kind of awesome. So, um, let's see. At the very end of the story here, um, so I like to think that a Hulk was thrown from the blast, from the, the living rock blast, kind of like in the Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. And he lands and he turns into Banner and there's the old guy telling him he has a condition. And that's when Betty finds him. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of funny that she doesn't put two and two together at all. But I guess you could argue, like, no one has any idea that the Hulk changes. So Mm -hmm. why would you assume that? Except they're both wearing the same pants. But They are wearing the same pants. They're purple pants. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and yeah, so this is, you know, we, we got to go off and do the emergency for the teen brigade because the teen brigade is a thing that exists and the, uh, there's a new helicopter here. So, um, no, as those wonderful Avengers near their helicopter for their return trip to New York. So it did it. A message came in over the whirly birds radio. Okay. But he didn't destroy it. I guess he just used it and put it back down safely. I guess, but those, those blades should have been a lot longer than that. Um, Yeah. We've basically wrapped up the journey of the Hulk. Mm-hmm. Um, he has one more notable appearance, and that's in a Spider-Man comic, but that really doesn't do anything for the Hulk, uh, Bruce Banner narrative, if I recall. He's just kind of there randomly and then goes off about his business. Um, and he's going to fight Giant Man in 59, and then he's going to go solo in 60. So we're really close to Hulk stories again. It's just so funny how popular he becomes when like his origins or his beginnings are so like all over the place, and he's kind of just jumping from book to book and they don't quite know what to do with them but i guess they figure it out yep okay we've kind of gone along on those issues but we're going to go ahead and do one more because you know we can Mm -hmm. um amazing spider-man 13 yeah with mysterio this one will be a short discussion nothing to talk about no big deal (laughs) um okay so this one let me get the credits up here is Presented with pride by one of the most famous teams in comics, Stan Lee author, Steve Ditko artist, lettered by Art Simic. Mm-hmm. So he's inking his own stuff? Um, or they're just not maybe crediting? Maybe in this issue he is. Or he's not crediting an inker. He might be inking his own stuff in this issue. There's There's some interesting inking choices in this that make me... You know, I'm flipping through and I'm seeing some art choices that do feel very Ditko. So, yeah, I would be surprised if he's inking his own stuff here. Very solid Ditko art issue. So, yeah, he could have been. Mm -hmm. He could have been. And um, on the cover, just before we get into it, uh, at the bottom, it says, what's this? Spider-Man turning to crime? You're in for a real shock. And he webs up an old guy in a brown suit. Mm -hmm. Ever see a comic mag superhero take his troubles to a psychiatrist? And there's an old guy in a brown suit. (laughs) And, And I just feel like they're the same guy. Could be. How ironic. So Spider-Man is turned to crime. Uh-oh. He steals some stuff, jumps away, webs up some police officers, and goes away on a web parachute. You know how you, like, know, how was... you know he's turned to crime? How do you know? Because the bag has a dollar bill on the side of it. <laughs> so um, everyone's like, oh my gosh, Spider-Man's a criminal. The police better catch him. My kids always liked him. Well, he always thought he was a big schmo. And um, at the Daily Bugle, Jonathan's like, get, you know, get all my editorials about how bad Spider-Man is. And Betty's like, I remember how Spider-Man saved my life. And at the high school, everyone's like, I thought Spider-Man was great. He must be a real terrible person. Flash's like, I still like him. I still like, I still like Spider-Man. And uh, Peter Parker's like, wait a second. I didn't do those crimes. Or maybe I did. Maybe I did it in my sleep and I'm going crazy. And... And Aunt May is um, talking to Peter and she sees him drop his plate and she's like, oh, no, I hope you're not worried. Our life is really kind of crap right now. We don't have any more money. I hope you're not worried. (laughs) And Peter lays in bed with his eyes staring off into the void of his soul and just waiting for the the, the morning comes and he hears the radio. Spider-Man struck again in the night. He's like, oh, no, what is going on? What am I doing? I should I should go see a psychiatrist. So he does. He goes and sees the psychiatrist. Hey, hey, Doc, is it possible for a man to do stuff that he's never 
heard it, that he doesn't know he's doing it when he's asleep or whatever. And the psychiatrist is like, ooh, I want to talk to Spider-Man on all his secrets. I can make a million dollars. And Spider-Man's like, wait a second. I don't want to talk to you. If I do, I'll tell you all my secrets. And that would be really dangerous. So he goes to work and Betty's like, hey, Peter, taking more dangerous photos. He's like, lay off, Betty. I don't want to talk to you. She's like, <gasps> and so he goes and talks to Jonah Jameson. And he's like, you know, Jonah, we don't have any money and I can't get any pictures. And can I borrow some money? And Jonah's like, I'm not a bank. Give me some pictures of Spider-Man. And so he goes off and he's Spider-Man. And everyone's like, Spider-Man, we hate you, Spider-Man. He's like, oh, no, everybody hates me. So he goes back to school. And Liz is like, I have pretty hair and I really like you. And he's like, oh, yay, hair. And Flash is like, stop talking to Liz. Ooh, Liz, you're so beautiful. And then and then we're back at the uh, Daily Bugle and Mysterio shows up. I am Mysterio. I am the new superhero in town, and I will catch this criminal Spider-Man. Here is a letter. And Jonah's like, the letter says to print a notice. <gasps> the letter just disappeared like Mission Impossible. That has show hasn't come out yet. And um, so, yeah, so they print the notice, and Peter's like, okay, I guess there's this guy, Mysterio, who wants to catch me. I guess I'll, I guess I'll go figure what the whole thing's all about. Oh, the other thing is that Mysterio's like, in the letter, tell Spider-Man that I know all the secrets about what's been going on with him lately. So Spider-Man's like, oh, I need the answers to the secrets. So he goes and meets Mysterio on the top of the bridge, and Mysterio totally shows him up. He has mists that can dissolve the webbing. He has smoke that disguises Peter's spider sense. He can stand on the side of a wall just like... Like Spider-Man can, and they fight, and Spider-Man loses the fight completely. So he jumps off the bridge, like, you know what, I gotta get out of here, and he runs away, and the next day Mysterio's all a parade. I have a parade, because I am Mysterio, and I'm so cool, I'm the hero who beats Spider-Man, and the kid's like, yay, Flash Thompson, bet you're not gonna think anything about Spider-Man now, and Flash is like, dude, Spider-Man's awesome, and I will beat you up if you say otherwise. And so back to the Daily Bugle, Mysterio's like, I'm so awesome. And Jonah's like, he's so awesome. Hey, Peter Parker, come meet this awesome guy. And Peter Parker's like, yeah, it's Mysterio. I want to beat him somehow. <gasps> I have an idea. I'm going to tuck this little spider tracer invented two issues ago into <laughs> his cape. And he does. And then Peter's walking around and um, Betty's like, hey, um, Peter, how you doing? Betty's like, cool. Talk to you later. Betty's like, he doesn't like me anymore. I wonder if he's talking to some other girl. Whatever's going to happen. And um, anyway, so Spider-Man uses his spider tracer to track down Mysterio. They fight. And Mysterio gives his origin. I am actually a big old fraud. I'm a special effects guy. And everything I've been doing so far has just been tricking you. And this is how I'm tricking you. And I tricked everyone into thinking I was Spider-Man. And I committed those crimes as Spider-Man. And I'm going to trick you into thinking you lost this fight. And you're going to lose. And Spider-Man's like, yeah, well, you know what? I just got all of your admissions on tape because it's 1964 and audio recordings are still admissible in court. And bam, he punches Mysterio right in the fishbowl face. And uh, they have a fight. And there's some cool visuals because they end up on the set of a movie. And there's fighting, fight, 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 fight. Until he punches Mysterio right in the eyeball nipple. Um, and at the end, they take Mysterio to the police. And the police have Mysterio. And Joe's like, oh, no. I said all these wonderful things about Mysterio. And now he's going to get arrested and go to jail. 
And he goes back to the office and he's so sad. And Peter and Betty's like, Peter, let some photos for you. And Jonah's like, photos of Spider-Man fighting Mysterio. I can run these in the newspaper, make lots of money. And Spider-Man shows up and says, you know what? I don't like you. I'm going to stick you to the web because I'm kind of a jerk. And bye. And back at the um, um, high school, Flash is like, yeah, told you Spider-Man was cool. And that's the end. Yeah. So Mysterio. Jake Gyllenhaal or Gyllenhaal. I don't know how it is said. I didn't watch the trailer. No spoilers, although I already know he's in it. Yeah, he's in it. He's mysterious. Yeah, it's fine. I still haven't watched the trailer. Imagine my uh, my amazing ability to resist such a thing. But yeah, I I I really geek out on trailers. Like, <laughs> yeah, I like do this. too. But I feel like Spider Man's dead, so there shouldn't be a trailer. So I've just been stubborn. Okay, well, I, I can I can admit your. <laughs> Yeah, you know, commitment like, to continuity. Like I'm just not there yet. I want him to come back first, and then I'll care about his next adventure. Um, right. So I was like, oh, Mysterio, that's cool. He's like a, what, top 10 Spidey villain, maybe? Or, you know, I don't know if he's an A-lister villain, but pretty high. I feel like he's pretty cool. Yeah, so then I was like thinking, well, what stories do I know about Mysterio? And I just could not come up with any except... That Kevin Smith, uh, Marvel Knights Daredevil, where he like kills Karen Page or something like that, or uh, yeah, that's all I could think of. So I guess I haven't read any Mysterio really. Um, there's a story that I can think of from around Amazing Spider-Man sixty-five, sixty-six. That's a pretty cool one. Has some really neat art, and it's around that time that uh, Green Goblin comes back. And I don't know. I mean, Mysterio's just been kind of one of those things that. When stuff is going wrong and it seems too impossible to be true, you automatically think, oh, is Mysterio involved somehow? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times he is. But he just has such, okay, his look Uh is like the perfect balance of, oh my gosh, what were the 60s thinking? And, (laughs) oh, wait a second, that really is a cool design. I was thinking that because I remember at some point in my life thinking he looks bonkers, but... Under the uh, pencil and design of Steve Ditko, he looks pretty damn fantastic. Right. And it's it's weird because he almost looks alien. Like mm-hmm. his chest is supposed to be the face with his eyes. And like, yeah. imagine an alien. Take off the, the fishbowl head. Imagine an alien with like these limbs hanging down from his head. You know, and his eyes are right there with his arms coming out of his eye sockets. It's just, it's a crazy look. But then it has the fishbowl up on top that a person's head can stick out of. But that's not really part of the face. It's so it's very it's creative. A cool design. And if you yeah. if you think about it, even more creative based on the story because the story is that he's going to show up and be the new hero in town and arrest or defeat the new criminal Spider Man. Mm-hmm. And if this was a Silver Age Superman book or whatever, he would just look like a superhero. Right. And Ditko is like, nah, I'm going to bring a lot of my uh, Doctor Strange elements into this weirdo and make him like mysterious and like you don't even know what the heck he is. And it just works really well. It's a really cool style. And when I was reading this, I was really kind of keying into the the story notion that Mysterio is a new superhero in town um, a bit more than I previously had. Like, Previously, it was just like, oh, strange guy promises Jameson he'll stop Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Yay, Jameson's happy. But now I'm like, no, this this is a dude like trying to pass himself off as the new hero. Mm-hmm. And I know you haven't watched the trailer yet. I'm not going to give you any details about the trailer, but the trailer kind of feeds that same vibe. Oh, that's cool. That Mysterio is the new hero in town or something like that. Maybe. Maybe. Um, so, yeah. 
definitely interesting. Um, so the Ditko art in this is really cool. Mm-hmm. And you know what I like? I really like page two, the first story page. Yeah. Really like just the feel of it. And as he floats away on the parachute and like this, the city is only partially lit. Uh-huh. I feel like, like the London fog yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Well, you know, New York probably gets fog too. Yeah. That was just kind of like the, t- the, the feel that I got. Um, Jack the Ripper's down there somewhere with a with a knife. So we're still not like the X Men kind of. We're still not in a world where everybody blanket hates Spider Man. Uh huh. Like the police have often fully supported Spider Man. Like so, mm-hmm. we don't think the police are dummies. I guess. Um, so everybody's reaction to Spider Man really being a criminal at this point is no one's no one's saying I always knew it except for of course Jameson. But uh, everybody's very shocked. Yeah, this is the second time somebody has dressed up as Spider-Man to commit fake crimes. But the first time was like right at the beginning of his career and it was the chameleon and it was short-lived. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really news. No, no, nobody's ever done this before because if they had, I don't think Peter would jump to the conclusion that he's doing it in his sleep. Well, Peter didn't know about the other one. <laughs> oh, okay. The chameleon dressed up as Spider-Man and stole some plans. Oh. And like the person who was stolen from thought he was being robbed by Spider-Man, but it never made the news. Okay. Well, it's still a dumb conclusion. Yeah, it is. It is kind of a dumb conclusion. It's like. It's like any why? anybody could be you, dude. Anybody. The yeah. Human Torch has been impersonated five times by the wizard. So. And that's way <laughs> harder than putting on a Spider-Man costume. That's, that's lighting your entire body on fire. I like that Betty Brandt's feelings towards Spider-Man are complex. Yeah, because. You'd think her thought bubble would be, that's the bastard that killed my brother. Right. But it's not. He killed her. He, he it was very directly involved in her brother dying. Mm-hmm. She told him he hated him and blamed him for it. At the end of that issue, she's like, I realize it didn't happen like that. I still don't want anything to do with Spider-Man. And this issue, she's like, I kind of expected better of Spider-Man. He saved my life. And I thought this would be okay. Mm-hmm. Over the course of her life, she's going to kind of fluctuate back and forth between those two emotions, which honestly, I feel like is very human. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Sometimes you feel one thing, sometimes you feel the other, and you resolve something, and then you realize you weren't so resolved later. I like that Flash sticks up for Spidey. I knew he would, but oh, the irony. Oh, the irony that his least favorite person is his favorite person. And, um, (laughs) okay, I wrote down whenever Aunt May, she's like, uh... Peter, dear, you don't seem to be yourself. Is anything wrong? And Peter's like, yes, you're sleeping. Oh, wait, wait, wait. You don't know that reference because you haven't seen the trailer. Never mind. Go ahead. Never mind. Go ahead. I was going to make a joke, but you just won't get it. So Okay. But I do like what you said because it's totally true. She's so, like. Okay. So in the trailer, ahead. Happy Hogan and Aunt May like have a little flirt scene. Uh-huh. And Peter is totally wigged out by it. So she's like, is there anything wrong? And I'm like, yes, something's wrong. You're sleeping with Happy Hogan. Stop that. <laughs> and, uh. I don't know if that's going to actually happen in the movie or not, but that's that's how uh-huh. I read it. I like it. She's like, are you worried because our savings account is gone and we won't be able to pay the mortgage? That's the worst <laughs> sentence in the world, Aunt May. Well, I wasn't worried about that, but now I am. And I want to go ask Jonah for a loan. <laughs> oh, my God. That made me laugh. That was horrible. And that panel of him laying in bed is really haunting. Mm-hmm. It's really effective. I'm I'm sad that the psychiatrist thing was just nothing. Because yeah. they plug it on the front cover, and I thought, oh, that'll be funny. And then it's like, he's there for a half a second, and he leaves, and it didn't do anything. Eh. And by page five, the whole is it me or is it not me thing basically is gone. Then it's just a matter of what's really going on here. Mm-hmm. 
Which is, you're right, you said. I'm kind of glad that it happens that way. So speaking of complex human emotions, I mean, this never happens to me, of course, but you ever like worry about so- what someone thinks about you and you build it up in your head. They must think this and this because I did this and blah, blah, blah. And really on their end, they don't even have a clue what you're worrying about. Because yeah, that, that happens with Betty almost, like three times in this story. It almost never happens except like five times a day when it happens. <laughs> right. So I think that's, I mean, it's sucky for Betty, but like Peter has no bad negative thoughts about her per se. He's just got problems and mm-hmm. she's just like, oh no, he was really short with me. So what did I do? And it's just building and building and it never gets resolved in this issue. Not in this issue. Although I do kind of feel like we have her first real unsympathetic moment here because he looks dejected. He's he's clearly, you know you know, down about something and she pulls out the snark mm-hmm. from their last fight. You're just probably worried because you haven't sold any news photos, Mr. Jameson lately. Just do some different kind of work. Yeah. And he's like, you know what? I I don't need this right now. Yeah. So I'm gonna go and maybe we can talk later. He says, Don't butt into my life. That's pretty yeah. pretty harsh. Yeah. Why would Peter ask J. Jonah Jameson for a loan? Like, is he that obtuse? Like, really? You think that's gonna happen? Well, see, so here's the thing. Remember back in issue four when he asked for a loan just to experiment with his webbing? Mm -hmm. So this is the second time he asked for a loan. And I feel like, you know, you kind of wore out that welcome the first time. Maybe if you'd wait until it was real and then kind of like push the issue a little bit. Yeah. Because now from Jonah's point of view, you're asking for money twice now. Yeah, yeah. And he would never give it either way. But yeah. Right. Probably not. So here's a hot take. Okay. I think Liz Allen might actually be better girlfriend choice than Betty. Uh, well, maybe a simpler girlfriend. That's for sure. Maybe a simpler girlfriend. That's probably fair. But like, maybe more based on their future behavior together than their past behavior. But um, the way that they react to seeing Peter upset is very different. Liz sees Peter upset and says, you look upset. Is anything wrong? Mm-hmm. Whereas Betty sees Peter upset and dredges up their their history. Of course, Betty and Peter have more history than Liz well, and Peter do. And but. Betty has her own history, and yeah. she's applying that to Peter. This whole worry of him being over his head with danger, mm-hmm. like she's been upset about that since before they were an item because of her stupid brother, because of her boyfriend brother. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think I feel like when I say simpler, maybe Liz would just have less you know baggage because she doesn't have this horrible dramatic pre-life that made her drop out of school and all this stuff. Like she's still a student like Peter. So they could actually just date and be normal kind of. That's true. We get to Mysterio showing up in Jameson's office. Now going into the whole thing of Mysterio playing up that he's a superhero. The first panel of page eight, he says something very superhero-y. There's a reason for my disguise. If the underworld ever found out about my powers, they might try to stop me by threatening my family. Mm Mm-hmm. It's so stereotypical superhero, it almost feels like satire. Yeah. Like Mysterio is the pastiche superhero stereotype kind of thing. Because you know what Peter hasn't really said yet? I must wear this mask because if they knew I was Peter, they would they would attack my family. Yeah, that's not why he put the mask on in the first place, is it? No, he'll use that line later, like way down the road. That will be something he brings up and, you know... Famously, Aunt May did get shot whenever they found out she was Spider-Man's aunt. But, you know, here, that is like a, 
DC Superman, mm. Batman, Green Air Lantern kind of thing to say. Yeah. He I'm trying to remember why he put the mask on. He put it on because he didn't want his aunt and uncle who love him and who he loved in return and were the only people that he loved to be embarrassed or dragged through the muck when he like went and did wrestling, I guess, or something. Or he just didn't want them to find yeah, out. Or like or even just his own self. He didn't want to get embarrassed if he failed. Yeah, it was more about just saving himself, I guess. Or, you know, yeah, whatever. Saving face. Saving face, yeah. God, he's a very um, selfish superhero, this guy. A bit. Wow. A bit. I made the Mission Impossible joke. I really, I grew up associating this scene with Mission Impossible. Uh-huh. And it was only on this read-through that I put the two and two together yet that Mission Impossible hasn't even started yet. Uh-huh. So, they, so Mission Impossible stole it from this, probably. Maybe, maybe. I would like to believe that somebody read Spider-Man 13 and worked it into their story. This is a great fight. Um, mm-hmm. I say that he, he stands on the side of the building and has a great core strength. <laughs> I just like the, uh, it, it seems like I shouldn't like it cause it seems like almost a cheat, but I love this gas cloud business mm-hmm. in both the first fight where he totally destroys him. And the second one, when he doesn't in both cases, I think artistically, it's just really a cool look or style or something it just you feel yeah, you fi- feel the overwhelm the sense of being overwhelmed like you can't see what's punching you and something just keeps smacking him left and right and yeah he's getting pounced it's a pretty neat sequence mm-hmm. um he says the one thing on page 10 that's what i get for pulling my punch because i want to take him alive uh-huh. and i was like yes thank you for not killing the weird bad guy spider-man <laughs> yeah does he normally not want to take him alive I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of a kind of a weird response. Yeah. I wear this mask. I don't know who I am when I accidentally kill this guy. That must be tough if you are a guy who can lift ten tons and you fight mysterious new villains all the time. It's like, well, how much can this guy take? Let me try one tenth of my power. Okay, he was fine with that. Let's go a little harder next time. You know, it's like you got to punch him twenty times before you figure out what the right level is. Mm-hmm. That's got to be annoying. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess. Superman has to do the same thing, though, right? Like that, 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 that one punch. classic scene in the JLU cartoon where he fights Darkseid. It's like, I'm always pulling my punches, but you can take it, can't you? So <laughs> yep. I'm just going to hit you as hard as I've ever hit anything in my life. So we go to page 14, whenever Peter is sneaking the um, the uh, spider tracer into Mysterio's cape. Mm-hmm. Mysterio's cape is behind him. It's like he's shaking hands with Peter Parker, and it's like, Mr. Parker, why are you reaching for my butt? Yeah, he's like, he's just patting him on the butt. Good job, buddy. Yeah, it's just because, you know, guys swat each other's butts sometimes, evidently. So TV tells me. Mm-hmm. It's true. Uh, I thought he was going to put it in his palm. And I thought, well, that's the worst place you can put it because he'll probably look at his hands at some point. But <laughs> <laughs> probably. But the thing about the okay. tracer is like he doesn't really do anything with it. It's weird. He He traces the guy. Yes. But I thought his plan was to like catch him unawares or something. Or, you know, when he takes the helmet off. And instead, mm-hmm. he just attacks him straight up when he's, like, still Mysterio and standing there. So, round two, same kind of fight. I'm still going to get my butt kicked. So, we get to Betty Brant. Mm-hmm. Glad to see you smiling again, Peter. Are you celebrating Spider-Man's defeat also? Which, again, seems like a snide thing to say. Because mm-hmm. we know she has mixed feelings about Spider-Man. She's not celebrating his defeat. She's kind of sad about his whole turn thing. And we know that she got mad at Peter for making Spider-Man look bad back in issue nine with Electro. So it's like she's trying to needle Peter here. And I don't like it. Well, insecurity, again, maybe that breeds like sarcasm or something. Because 
you're testing the relationship. I don't know. That does seem to go hand in hand. Like when someone's worried that you don't like them, then you, you're just even worse to them. I don't know why that yeah. is. Like you're just trying to push it until something blows up. And then like you were saying earlier, her anxiety kicks in. Mm-hmm. She's like, he's never been so anxious to leave me before. Can he have met another girl? Yeah. And this right here, this panel, this is it, kids. This is the beginning of Betty Brandt's jealousy game uh, that will end up consuming their relationship. So Liz is a better choice, apparently. Maybe. Yeah. But this whole thing with Betty we've been enjoying so far, this is not going to be pretty as it goes along. And it starts right here. Yeah. There was very little sweet spot of enjoying Betty, but <laughs> it's like one comic or two comics, I think. Yeah. Well, they, they, they hit it off in seven. And eight, nine, that was pretty cool. And then he had to go. She had to, he had to go save her in eleven. No, see, that was and, already done by then. Like the desk scene was awesome with the vulture. Was that the vulture? Mm-hmm. And then whatever issue it was where they like were gonna not speak to each other, then they decided to be adults and speak. Was great. Yeah, that was the end of nine. I and think. then it's been kind of yuck ever since. Really. Well, they had some drama, and you think they would settle back into life, but evidently it's not going to go smoothly for No, them. I think she's just a damaged lady, maybe. Maybe she is. And also, we, I mean, he's we, selfish, because he doesn't seem to care about explaining what's going on at all, or even lying about it. That is a very important side of things. She might have some issues, but Peter is also not the best boyfriend in all of this. No, he's just like, like if you were at home, and your wife was there, and you're like, I'll see you later, and you just got up and left, that wouldn't that would not fly. Maybe. I yeah. imagine. I don't know. I'm talking from my own personal experience. but No, no, you're right. I mean, it's like if, if he's invested in this relationship, then that little bit on page 14, he really should have done differently. Yeah, he was excited about his little spider tracer, and he didn't care that she was there trying to talk to him. And he just... Reed Richards is away. Yeah, that's exactly what he's doing. Yep. All he cares about is Spidey Spidey right now. Okay. So page 15 and 16, we get the big storyline of who Mysterio was, where he came from, all that jazz. But he does not tell a very important aspect to this story. Okay. While he was a special effects guy, he got involved with a bunch of guys who wanted to dress up as aliens and start putting spy devices in the radios <gasps> of government officials. Really? Yeah. And he was one of the Tinkerer's aliens. Wow. So he's already met Spider-Man and fought him. Yes. Yes, Which he has. actually helps because I found this scene kind of weird. Like, how does he know all these things about Spider-Man? And how is he creating all these anti-Spider-Man things? Especially like anti-Spider-Sense. It always bothers me when they know about a Spider-Sense. But mm-hmm. you could argue that he kind of got a, a one-on-one example of how Spider-Man fights. In that last panel on page 15, he's like, I was a special effects man. I designed all sorts of costumes and props, like that stuff in the Tinkerer story. And then I got the idea of imitating you because mm-hmm. we captured you and you were pretty impressive. And I thought, hey, I can be Spider-Man. I mean, that's basically how that could work. I, out. I noticed your senses were preternatural because I tried to punch you in the back of the head and you spun around and hit me. Right. Anyway. I dig well, it. I'll tell I dig you it. this. What I really like is that most of how Mysterio beat him is he scared him with his like awesome special effects and stuff. Because uh-huh. once Spider-Man, once Mysterio, so Mysterio, so Mysterio uh, stupidly reveals everything about himself for no reason. Spider-Man's like, mm-hmm. Oh, you're just a dude with junk and <laughs> totally destroys him. Yeah. He sees through all the tricks. The magician has revealed his tricks mm-hmm. 
and now Spider-Man can see through it and just do it. Stays out of the smoke because he knows it's going to mess up with his spider sense and just tries punching from the from the edges and eventually he lands. Great panel too. Oh my god. Yeah. And it sends him like circling, somersaulting backwards. That's awesome. And there's some cool visuals with the fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really have a lot to say about the no, superhero fight. They fight through a, a movie studio. Mm-hmm. Apparently a and sci-fi maybe movie. Maybe people are wearing the same uh, alien costumes he designed before. Yeah, it kind of looks like it. Um, do you feel that by turning in these photos to help recover Jameson's reputation, it kind of sort of makes up for the fake Electro is Spider-Man stuff from issue nine? Um... I don't know. Maybe not ethically, but at least dramatically. Like, Peter Parker gave Jameson photos. Oh, yeah. Electro is Spider-Man. And now he's giving Jameson photos that say, hey, you're in the dumps right now because you messed up on the Mysterio story, but here is Mysterio fighting Spider-Man, which can recover your reputation. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like... He helped him a little bit. I feel like this... Yeah. Before he webbed him. On the upswing. Before he webbed him like a But jerk. look at he says, I'm going to pay him almost half of what these pictures are worth. And I just got to wonder, like, is there ever a time where it explains why Spidey is so exclusive to the Daily Bugle with these pictures that probably any newspaper would be happy to have? They do, ex- they do explain it eventually by way of example, because there's one point where Peter and Jonah have a falling out and Peter goes to the Daily Globe mm-hmm. to sell the photos. Mm-hmm. And that publisher is not willing to be as hands-off as Jonah. He presses and presses and presses to find out why okay. and how he got the photos. So I guess maybe it's a good deal for Peter because all Jonah cares about is ruining Spider-Man. He doesn't ask questions. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because if you're a journalist, you would want to know your sources. And and I kind of feel like there's a certain amount of inertia here. Like He goes to Jonah in issue two and says, hey, I can get you photos of Spider-Man as long as you don't question me about them. So I was like, okay, sure. And that just starts the relationship, and he's just like, you know, we're just going to keep going to this relationship. Well, they, but Jonah's such a skis bag after a while that it does make you wonder, why why, why are you still doing this? They do bring it up in this issue, because he says, can I have a loan? And he says, I'll give you money if you tell me how you get Spider-Man photos. And he's <laughs> like, ah, screw you, and leaves. But yeah, So he is interested. Anyway, cool issue, though. Very cool issue. And um, we, we have had, as, as we record this... The trailer just recently dropped a couple weeks ago. We haven't seen it. Uh, Michael hasn't seen the trailer. We haven't talked about it a lot. Um, the movie is still a ways out. In fact, even as this episode comes out, it's still three months until the movie. Um, so we're very eager to see how all this plays out. I'm glad we've read this issue before we see Far From Home. Yeah. Especially, yeah, if he's in it. Sure. Yeah. Does he come back soon? Uh, like Spider-Man, has he come back in the stories? No, does Mysterio, Doctor Doom us and show oh, up fifty does he come more back, times? Does Mysterio come back in the stories? Uh, Mysterio, ooh, is he in the Sinister Six? I think he is sometimes. Story. I feel like he I is. feel like he might be in the Sinister Six annual. Okay. Um, and then there's an issue in the twenties somewhere. Okay, so not where, that like often. this. The whole psychiatrist thing at the beginning of this. Mm-hmm. There's a Mysterio psychiatrist plot again. But like the psychiatrist turns out to be a bit more involved and stuff. So it's, it's, if you haven't heard that story or read that story, I don't want to give everything away until we read it. Okay. But yeah. But that's like, that's around 28. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that was cool. That's, wow. We talked a lot, but Avengers 5 and Spider Man 13, you know, what are you going to do? Yep. They were good, good comics. And, so, and of course, you know, Giant Man too. 
You know what we have here that I did not prepare for? Huh. It's the end of the month. Oh, boy. No, it's not. No, it's no, not. No, what no, am I no. talking about? That's next episode. Yeah. Farfanugan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No end of the month for you yet. No, no. We still have Iron Man and Human Torch and what else? One more. Fantastic and Fantastic Four. Four. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. So we'll talk about end of the month stuff next time. Still haven't prepared for it, though, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. Okay. So people who have followed us want to give some shout outs and some thank yous to all of those who are following us on the Twitter. Um, so hello and welcome to the page, Mr. Pete Whaley, fanboy mark for Dungeons and Dragons, fantasy RPGs. Hello, the Bench. He's a parent and a game person, a library person. Spider Keegan, um, also gamers. Hot and Nerdy, the TV pilot. This is the official page for Hot and Nerdy. Wow. Um, seems to be a TV pilot about growing up nerdy before nerdy was cool. Mm. And there's a trailer out about these two nerdy guys having a conversation with a girl who doesn't understand the stuff that they're into. So if that sounds like the sort of thing you are interested in, go look up hot and nerdy 2000 on Twitter. Uh, Then we have Nexus of all Nexus of all realities is a twice monthly podcast about the man thing. Insert appropriate joke here. Insert inappropriate jokes. That's, that's great. Um, into the weird at into weird is a podcast and blog celebrating the madness of bronze age Marvel run by Grant and Herman. So that's cool. Retro macro scans of bronze and silver age comics, high res macro scans. He's an artist and a designer. Sean, the spider guy is an Avenger in training. Um, and that's where we'll stop for now. We can do some more thank yous in the next episode. Uh, where can they find us, Mike? You can find us at makearsmarvel.com, well, where you can, uh, of course, play every episode, or you can find the links to download our episodes through iTunes or Google Play or Android, um, Stitcher, I think it's called, all that stuff. You can also send us an email through the contact form there, or you can just write directly to podcast at makearsmarvel.com. All right. And um, you can also, well, actually, before I say that, there are a few Facebook welcomes, I want to say. So we have recently had some follows or some likes, rather, over on Facebook from John Barge. And uh, he's just following us. He's not liking us, but that's okay. We also have likes from John Kaufman and James Hickson. Uh, James Hickson is a uh, podcaster as well. He does the tomb of ideas podcast if i remember correctly um and that is one that i actually got to guest on recently so they're talking about bronze age horror comics from marvel and jamie cooley also on facebook so thank you for liking us over there um you can find me on twitter at john reads comics also my other shows all the pouches and image comics podcast and super silly sentai, which is at silly sentai on Twitter. Uh, that is a um, super sentai commentary podcast with my son. And uh, yeah, I guess that wraps us up. Yep. So we will be back next week to finish up the month of March, 1963. So until then, and until the lava man team up with the mole man, Make ours marvel. marvel.